When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. People keep asking you if you're thinking about suicide. It's such an interesting, quirky, silly question. You wonder, can dead things die? If a tree falls in the forest and no one heard it, did it make a sound? It's a riddle. You wonder what people are seeing when they look at you. All you know is they would not survive a zombie apocalypse. They can't discern what's living or dead. Bless their hearts. Poem by Randy Chapman. Yeah. In 2010, thought I was doing something. And now I'm rapping with a crew or something. I guess the track don't really stick unless he's gluing something. And I never fit the shoe until I do or something. Yo, bracing myself like teeth, boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete. But homie, these tunes make you get a new ID. I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap. I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days. And we can still pitch the track to all the wacky J's. We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's. And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy phase. Let's go. We can turn the whole world. Hey y'all, the OGs and new listeners alike, I am Randy and this is my indie episode. Indie episodes are individual episodes Mikey and I record. It's a way for us to honor who we are as individuals and not just who we are as spouses. And today I'm discussing how getting high for the last time convinced me that I needed help. So what had happened was... Shortly after Noble passed, Mikey made it a point to say that he needed to get away. And I agreed. So we decided that we'd do Christmas in Denver. Um, I had already been to Denver in 2021 when I took a trip with Mikey's mom and my sister-in-laws to help my sister-in-law, Therese, uh, find a place to live for grad school. Back then when I went, I went without Mikey and Drew, and it was just me and Noble. And it was really special for me because out of my entire pregnancy, there were only two times during my whole experience when I wasn't sick, tired, or afraid. One time was a girls weekend I had with my sister and cousins at my mom's house. And the other time was when I was in Denver in April 2021. So it seemed pretty full circle to go back to Denver and this time with the whole family. We got a big Airbnb house and did Christmas with our siblings and mothers. And I hoped that the trip would be good for us. But now looking back, I don't think I was being practical. 
I was in denial about how hard it would be being back in a place where I have very happy memories of being pregnant, but it was hard. I started having weird chest pains very soon when I got to Denver. Actually, um, me and Mikey were the only ones experiencing chest pain and pressure, and we both wrote and we both wrote it off as the high altitude because we were way up in the mountains in Denver. And so I just like went about, you know, <laughs> I just went about um, the trip. And so we got there on the 23rd and it was all good. I put it in quotes. It was all good <laughs> until the 25th, which was Christmas. If Noble had lived, he would have been five months on Christmas Day. And it was just hard. I really struggled with leaving him home. So we brought his urn uh, with us to Denver. And Mikey bought a toy basketball and football for him for Christmas. And I was just undone. Like it was just it was just a hard, hard day. And I did all the self-care things like yoga, journaling, communicating with people. Like I did all the things you're supposed to do. And I still struggled. It actually like it didn't help, you know, in the way that I hoped it would. I still felt all the pain and um, but I should say I really did want to have fun and do the whole engagement thing. And I was trying to make the most of the trip and, you know, be present and, you know, you know, I was trying to do the things. And so later that night, I prepped for our family game night. We're going to do a big family game night and play games all night and have fun and watch The Matrix finally. Um, And so I was prepping for that and I ate an edible. <laughs> I ate an edible and I shouldn't have. Um now if you don't know, weed is legal in Denver. And earlier that day we had went to this place called like Mary's Farm or something. I don't know. It's like a local place where we were and it got great reviews and everywhere we went, um, people were like, You gotta go, you gotta go try the spot, you gotta go try the spot. And so we did. And I got brownies for me and my sister-in-law. And they were like little bite-sized, you know, brownies. And I didn't think anything of it. But I must have been out of my mind because I didn't tell anyone that I'd eaten one when I ate one. Which is a major red flag. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't. I was so out of it. I really, I should not have been doing anything at night. I was so out of it. And, and so we're... We're playing Uno, which I hate, by the way. I do not like Uno. You know, <laughs> I'd rather play spades. But we're playing Uno because it's, you know, a family fun, uh, fun game. Everybody at the house didn't know how to play spades. So we played Uno. And it was actually really fun. And at one point, three people put down a four. So there's literally an angel number, 444 back to back, which um, which is an angel number. And so I instinctively knew something was up. And I didn't say it out loud, but I do but I did think it. <laughs> and I remember that I saw the same number the day Noble was born. And you may know at this point already, listeners, that I'm high by this point. <laughs> but at the time, I do not realize that I'm high, like having all these high, you know, existential thoughts about angel numbers. I don't know. I don't realize it. So again, um, Uno was a lot of fun. <laughs> and we were about to get ready to play another game. We we're about to get ready to play uh Never Have I Ever, I think. Uh the card game. Um I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a card game. And then my sister in law starts throwing up. Now that's her story. I'm not gonna say nothing else about <laughs> I'm not gonna say nothing else about her. But I'm trying to lay out the chaos the chaos of this night. And so um 
she's throwing up and I <laughs> then I realized I have to use the restroom and so I go to the restroom and my mouth feels really really dry like I cannot I just can't muster up any spit and then I say oh shit I'm high and y'all I start laughing crying laughing for like five minutes I'm in the bathroom cracking up up I cannot believe I've been sitting here high for God knows how long I just realized that I haven't been speaking out loud that everything that I've been thinking has been said in my head and I haven't spoken a word to anybody <laughs> I just remember I just realized and I realized halfway like it's been y'all it's been like five minutes I am in here cracking up <sighs> And I realized I'm going to die on this toilet if I do not get up because I couldn't stop laughing. And I get up and I get outside to the room um, and everybody's like, you know, trying to get my sister-in-law, you know, um, to a trash can. And then I realized I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't breathe at all. I look down at my Fitbit and my heart rate says 148. And I tell Mike that I can't breathe and that my heart is beating too fast. And he's like, are you high? And I realized not only have I not like told anybody I've had this edible, I haven't told Mikey either. So like he's not in the loop about where I am. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so everybody's freaking out because now I'm having a panic attack. And my sister's like, Randy, you have to calm down. You're having a panic attack. You have to calm down. And my Fitbit is literally, y'all, my heart is racing so fast that when we sat down to play the game, I had a, like 6,000 steps. And my goal for myself was eight a day. And by the time I get to that window, I get this message on my Fitbit. Congrats, you've hit your 8,000 step goal. And I'm like, what? I'm not... <laughs> I'm not stepping. Oh, it was so, it was so scary. <laughs> I was like, Mikey, do you see? And I'm looking at it and it's counting steps. Y'all, that is how fast my heart is beating. It is counting steps and I am not moving. And so Mikey opens up a window and is trying to calm me down. And it was, it was, <sighs> y'all, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I spent the entire night trying to come down. I went, I did yoga. I went to go talk to my mom. That's how desperate I was, y'all. I, I went and confessed to my mother. That is how desperate I was. <laughs> I cried. I'm drinking lots of water. And then I realized this edible trip has me convinced I'm back in labor. And it is deeply, deeply triggering for me. Um, the last time my resting heartbeat was high, was this high, uh, was the day that Noble was born. And I woke up to check his heart rate and realized his heart rate was at 170. And it's usually always no higher than 163. And so I knew something was up. And so when we got to the hospital, his heart beat is setting off all the alarms. Like there's a system they hook you up to when it goes off. It starts chiming when the baby's heart rate rises too high or drops too low. And his was too high. And it's setting, up, it's setting them off. And it's very alarming you know it's supposed to alarm you and so they put me on oxygen and they hooked me up to see what my pressure is doing and my resting heartbeat at the time was 120 and I'm laying in the bed flat on my back you know with oxygen and the lowest it gets is 109 and it jumps right back up anytime I move and so it was I mean it was distressing and obviously we're both in distress and when I was high I was back there in the hospital remembering it all like it was it was really really triggering not only that though um 
while I'm high, I also can't stop going to the restroom because I've... (laughs) I was just throwing back all this water. I was just, I was drinking water trying to come down when we all know it doesn't work that way. It's not like alcohol. You can't flush it out. You got to just let it do what it's supposed to. And, um, but I was drinking water again. Like I told you, I was, this trip was so bad in terms of like this high trip. Um, I'm thinking that I can like help myself by staying hydrated because that's what I had to do on bed rest. Anytime I started bleeding or spotting, drink water. If I was too achy, drink water. If I was too nauseous, drink water. And like I said, again, it put me right back to being pregnant, thinking that water would uh would save everything. <sighs> I was a wreck, y'all. I was a wreck. And to top it all off, Mikey is completely sober and is parenting Drew alone. And then there's that shame, right? So (laughs) the same shame I felt on bed rest, actually, because I couldn't parent on bed rest. I couldn't hold Drew. I couldn't stand for too long. I couldn't take her to school or pick her up from school. I couldn't play with her. And here I was again, completely ill-equipped to parent. And I was just feeling very sorry. Sorry for myself. (laughs) Sorry for my family. I was feeling like a bad mom and feeling like a bad spouse and leaving Mike out in the wind again to parent. And the whole time I'm praying, please come down. I want to come down. Please come down. And I didn't care what grief met me at the bottom. I just wanted to not be high anymore because I was deeply, deeply, deeply triggered. And as we all know, or if you don't know, you cannot wish away no longer being high. Um, <laughs> it's going to do what it's, it's going to do. What it's going to do. And. And so I was high. (laughs) I was high for a long time. And I eventually ended up going back to sleep. But the next day, day, my resting heart rate jumped between like from the low 100s to 115 off and on all day and all night. And I knew I needed help. Uh, My mom was sending me a bunch of stuff about how grief affects your body. And she even let me know that um, my family believes has always believed that one of my great grandmothers died from a broken heart after she lost her sister. And so this is, you know, ancestral. It's genetic. And and so when I got home from Denver, I called my primary care physician. And out of all my doctors, she's the only one who never knew about Noble because I had a midwife and a doula for the pregnancy and never saw a reason to go to her. But I knew I needed to tell her what was going on. And my doula, even at one point when I told her when I got back home from Denver, she came and saw me and she was like, what? What do you mean you haven't talked to your primary care physician? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) you know, I know. And so um, I'm telling y'all this not to glamorize getting high, but to be honest about um, how this grief has completely done me in. Losing a child is so backwards and it's so wrong. I can't explain how sad and scared I've been since Noble died. I've told a few people this, but I have had moments since he died where I've been afraid to to put my feet on the ground out of bed, out of fear of making a mistake again and out of fear of losing again. And I'm still here. So, you know, living in the yes and and realizing I'm still here. So is my husband. So is my living daughter. And I made a promise to fight for my life so that I am emotionally available for the people I love and for the child who is still here. And Drew doesn't deserve an absent mother. And Mikey doesn't deserve an absent spouse. And I don't deserve an absent me. And so I made an appointment with my primary care physician. And I was her 
last appointment for the day. And we had a beautiful conversation. Uh, She didn't rush me or belittle me. And I told her, you know, I think I need to let you know what's going on. And we talked for a long time. And for the first time in my life, I am on an antidepressant slash anti-anxiety medicine and a sleeping pill. And um, it's changed everything because um, I've always been able to manage my anxiety and depression. I've always been able to like, you know, up the self-care routine, go on the walks, do all the things. I, I have not been able... I've never managed losing a living, breathing child. And I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to manage it myself. I can't manage it myself. I can't. And it's so different. And it's such a gut punch to be woken up from an emergency C-section and told that while your baby is right here, he won't make it, you know. So I need to look at him and I need to hold him now. And because he's not going to make it and there's no time. And, you know, like there's not enough time. I, I, I can't explain I cannot explain how awful that is. All those months and months, all that water. (laughs) Just to be told that he's going to die anyway. And um, in my head, there is this me that I see that is not so undone, right? And that is really healthy and not so afraid and I've been trying to be her but I'm not her yet and that bad trip in Denver showed me that I'm like I'm the me I am right now and right now I am seven months postpartum and at the time I was five months postpartum from the hardest pregnancy I've ever had and the biggest loss I've ever experienced and the me right now needs medicine And I'm sharing because I know that someone listening needs help with who they are right now, this moment, and not who they're supposed to be or who they hope they'd be, they'd be, or who their family wishes they were, none of that, but like who you actually are. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And I, I'm hoping that you're like, you're feeling encouraged to get some help for yourself. Because before getting on medicine... <laughs> Yeah, I really, I literally could feel my heart breaking. I cannot explain it. It felt like somebody was squeezing my heart in their hands and that there was a slit down the middle. And I told her, my, I told my doctor, my heart hurts. I, 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 I was like, I can feel it. My heart hurts so badly. And she believed me. And she also told me, you know, you know, it definitely does sound like broken heart syndrome. Um, But, you know, thankfully, young people don't tend to die from it like older people do. 
And so she told me, you know, there's time you can get help. You know, I, you know, we can, I can help, you know, and it was just, I, I felt like this relief to be listened to, um, and to not be, and to not be um, ignored. And, and she's a black woman and she's a mother and she gets it. And it was, it was just a necessary conversation and I got help. And for the first time in a long time, I feel like I can hear myself think. And for the first time in a long time, I am motivated by love, love for my son and how hard he tried and love for my daughter and, and just how wonderful she is. And I'll get into this as the season goes on, but I've been doing lots of mother wound work because part of this grief work, part of this grief work of grieving my son includes going back to the source and root of my grief. And that source is maternal. And I know how easy it is to pass on trauma to your child and to your daughters, especially. And I vow that I will always try. I said, I will always try to do anything I could to be emotionally, physically, mentally, any way you could be available to your children. I promise I would do that. And but the despair that the the despair that my grief was making me feel was taking that away from me. And I can't. I cannot abandon Drew, y'all. And this grief work is showing me that the only way to not abandon Drew is to stop abandoning myself. And I have to give my inner child what she needs and the me I am right now what she needs. I have to pamper and be tender to myself and compassionate and honest. <laughs> and that all means that I have to feel this grief and confront it. Like I have to feel this grief and and, and get curious about what is it trying to tell me? And my grief in Denver was telling me, you need more help. You need extra help. You need some medicine because you cannot manage this on your own. And weed is not it. You know, like you cannot do it. You cannot keep doing this. And I had to, I had to stop running um, because I can't be out of control like that again. I can't not know where's my child. Like I was like, where's Drew? You know, and it just, it was, it was such an awful feeling. Like, is she okay? Does she know something's up? You know, um, and I, I can't, I can't do it again. And so... I haven't been high or drunk since Christmas Day and I'm not knocking anyone who drinks or smokes. I'm just saying that for me and my grief, I've had to stop trying to get away because I think back all the time to being a kid surrounded by adults who refuse to grieve and or always felt like they didn't have time to grieve and they ruined me. <laughs> they ruined me and themselves. And they unintentionally but really hurt me and abandoned me and neglected me because they wouldn't process their grief. And it's a cycle. And I could see it. I could see the cycle happening. And I'm working to stop it because I don't want Drew to be part of this loop, you know, and I don't want to be part of this loop anymore. I have to be the adult I needed as a kid. And I have to mother myself in this grief. And and so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have never um, loved myself before until now. And I've only been able to love myself because of the love I have for my children and my son Noble for the gifts and signs he has given me along the way to reroute me back to myself. And for Drew, who was like a living, like, you know, she's not doing anything. No, you know, I, I haven't, I don't expect anything of her. She don't owe me nothing. You know, <laughs> we decided to have Drew. I put her name on a post-it note. We decided to have her 
and I am motivated by like this desire to not fuck up, you know, and and to be and to do right, to do right, to really try to do right. I can't control if she has a mother wound and what that would look like, but I can try my best. And, you know, I can show up as a parent by loving myself and um, outside of my roles as a mother, you know, and a spouse. But as to, I can show up if I if I love myself and if I take care of myself and if I grieve because if you don't grieve, y'all, we will mess these kids up. We will mess them up. And we won't mean to, but we will. But we will. So I've been spiraling. <laughs> it's not funny. I've been spiraling since July. But it is the spiral that has brought me back to myself. And again, I hope that I can encourage you to feel the feelings and to do the work. You will be able to get off the floor and out of bed. I, I I get it, y'all. I mean, I cannot tell y'all what the days have been like in this house since Noble died. There have been days so dark that like it's it's like you can't and everybody's so worried, right? Like, are you are you feeling suicidal? And I'm not like knocking, mean, you know, that's not nothing to play with. But it's just like y'all don't even understand. <laughs> Dead things can't die, you know. Like you cannot understand what a what it it it's. There's a million ways to die. And people who get it, get it. And it was, it was, I get how dark it is and how dark it can get. And the fog and the confusion and the doubt and the fear. But you have to feel it. We have to feel it. And prolonging it won't do anything but make it come up somewhere else and someone really inconvenient like Christmas Day in the middle of the night. So we got to lean in. Okay. Finally, y'all, I'll leave you with this. When we follow our grief where it takes us, our hearts break open to a compassion for all people, for all life. Grief doesn't weaken or deplete us. It restores, fortifies, and renews us. Bethany Webster from her book, Discovering the Inner Mother. The Black Millennial Marriage Podcast is hosted and co-produced by Mikey and Randy Chapman. All episodes of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast are edited by Randy Chapman at Wordy Productions, a podcast management company. We are now and still available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite streaming services. Rate us five stars. To support our podcast, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Marriage, and there you'll get unedited, edited, and ad-free episodes, Zoom meetings with us, and more. And be sure to check out our website, www.blackmillennialmarriage.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or felt something from it, please email us at blackmillmarriage at gmail.com. You can follow me on social media at Randy, that is R-A-N-D, three I's, no, four I's, <laughs> three E's on Instagram and Wordy Productions on Instagram and our podcast, Black Millennium Marriage on Instagram. Thank you again for listening, y'all. Be blessed and don't settle and fight clean. Peace. About time that I get back, yo, I'm gonna get back. We can hold it down. Oh God, I'm gonna get back, yo, I'm gonna get back. Fourth year in the promised land, watch it, I promise, man. If you ain't looking close, we gon' look like an industry.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.